Hello and welcome back. My name is Luke and you're listening to another episode of the Next Stage Podcast. Working in a bricks and mortar office is a broken way of working, says Kristen Luck, president of Esomar. Jeremy Johnson, CEO of Andela, says the genie is not going back in the bottle. If remote work is the future, then why is it drag gender equality in the workplace back a few years? In this episode of the Next Stage Podcast, our speakers reflect on the impact of the pandemic on workload and job prospects for women, and they look at how remote working can be improved to make it more equitable for everyone, regardless of gender and family status. So does remote work uh, already need remodeling? I think it does, but that's my personal opinion. So next we're looking at the pros and the cons of the new normal, whether that's working from home, working from a different country, a few days a week in the office or a hybrid model unique to you. Remote work is what many of us have always wanted and it works, right? Well, not, I don't think it, it's not working real well yet, but it will eventually. Our next speakers are here to discuss what already needs to be uh, changed and how. Please welcome in conversation uh, with Pascal Davies of uh, Euro News, Esmar CEO Kristen Luck, and Andela CEO Jeremy Johnson. Good morning, Web Summit. It's great to be here today with my wonderful guests. So we're going to talk remote work and does it work? So Kristen from SMO, I'm going to start with you. Does it work? Yes or no? <laughs> Um, well, just to give some, some history on SMR, we're the global association uh, for data and insights professionals. So we have a, a global association representing uh, research uh, data scientists uh, from all over the, the, the globe. Uh, and I think, you know, when I think about remote work, I think it, it's helpful to have some historical context about how we came to work as knowledge workers within a nine to five sort of office environment. So, you know, knowledge workers uh, sort of adopted the, the machine model, the manufacturing model uh, that much of work used to be based on. So everyone would have to meet in uh, the same central location to manufacture a product, to be closely overseen by a manager, uh, and when knowledge work uh, became more prevalent, that exact model transitioned over to knowledge workers. So we all meet in the same office. We all have a manager that supervises us and oversees our work. Um, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you had access to filing cabinets as pre-computers, uh, and that model never really changed. Uh, and, and so I think that, that, you know, when you look at how we live and work today and the access that we have to technology and the globalization of many businesses and many industries, like truly that, that more traditional way of working is, is a, is a broken way of working. Okay. And Jeremy, to you now. So in your company, you're looking, you're sort of matchmaking the software engineers to the big tech companies. What changes have you seen since the pandemic and the ways that we're working? 
It's been dramatic. I mean, we should probably start off with a little bit of background also. Andela is the world's fastest growing technical talent network. So we represent engineers in over 90 countries at this point who are working with hundreds of the world's top companies without having to leave their home country. And companies, like, engineering and remote work in general is not a new phenomenon. It's not a result of the pandemic but it's certainly been dramatically accelerated. We've seen about 10 years of acceleration of the trends that were already taking place before happened in the past 18 months. And so what that's meant for roles, especially like engineering, where you can often quantify output is much more willingness on the part of employers to think about, okay, you know what? I am open to remote. I don't think the genie is going back in the bottle. Like I think this is gonna be a longer term thing. Therefore, I might as well think about where I could source from. And the challenge then becomes, how do you think about assessing without as much cultural context? How do you think about compliance and logistics for a talent that is not going to be in a country you've ever been to? And that's where things start to get more complex in terms of how companies think about it. And part of why Andela has had such a strong year, because these are the problems that we solve for people. Okay, great. And um, I want to talk to you, Kristen, about women. So the shocking <laughs> statistic, according to McKinsey, 79% of men said they had a positive experience from working from home, compared with just 37% of women. So what's going wrong? Uh, well, there's a number of factors. Um, Harvard Business uh, Review came out with a, a study, I think maybe just a couple weeks ago, around Zoom fatigue. Um, and, the, uh, and how uh, Zoom fatigue has accelerated depression and anxiety in people. And the, and the statistics were significantly larger for women who feel like, you know, they've got to really put on a professional appearance at all times when they're working from home, which is challenging, of course, when you're also oftentimes managing your children homeschooling and everything else going on within the house. Um, you know, in the first year of the pandemic, 54 million uh, women around the world left the workforce. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously that, that has widened the gender gap in employment significantly. Uh, of the women who lost jobs in 2020, 90% left the workforce entirely compared to around 70% of men. Uh, and there was a, a women in the workplace study, so that was conducted last year by McKinsey and leanin.org and their assessment of the number of women that have left the, the workforce um, because of that, um, they are estimating that global GDP will be uh, $1 trillion lower uh, by 2030. Okay, so, so what uh, can be done, you know? An amazing what, impact. It yeah. is, it is. And what are the solutions to sort of giving women that space so that their remote working conditions can be better? Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, I think, you know, hopefully now that um, uh, vaccination rates are increasing and kids are going back to school, um, that there'll be less stress on women. And that's not to say, I know there's many male parents, of course, and fathers in the audience as well, but you know, women on average do about 75% of the world's unpaid care work. Uh, uh, you know, the demands of which have obviously like grown substantially during the pandemic. And when I say unpaid care work, it's taking care of kids, it's cooking, it's taking care of parents in many countries. Um, you know, 40% of mothers compared to 27% of fathers are the ones responsible for the homeschooling and, and, um, and taking care of kids. And so if you look at how many hours a day, if they're spending three hours a day even on those tasks, 
that's a considerable part-time job on top of everything else that they're doing, working a full-time job. So it's no wonder that, uh, you know, that, that women have chosen to, to exit at certain times. But I think that there's a lot of things that, em that employers can do to improve those situations. Yeah, and yeah. what do you think about the solutions for women, Jeremy? To this problem? No. I feel like I'm not qualified. Uh, <laughs> I'm I mean, qualified. I, I, think it's, I think it's a massive challenge. Um, we thankfully have not seen, uh, like in the company, such dramatic numbers, but in our talent network, it has been harder to find female software developers. It has been harder, um, you know, in a variety of ways that like, we, are, we are also trying to address. We believe it creates a better environment for all of our employees and members of the network to have more gender balance. Um, and this is a this is a material challenge. I think the world is the world is facing with remote work. Yeah. I, I think too that you know employer flexibility, um, you know, uh, better parental leave policies, um, particularly in the U.S., like more you know uh, more flexible work from home environments, like all of these things that we like say benefit women, they benefit men as well. Um, and they allow men to be equal partners um, in, in, you know, in that family experience. So when we talk about programs and um, benefits that benefit women, I think they benefit men as well. Absolutely. Now, Jeremy, I want to talk about competition in the workplace. How has remote working changed that? So are companies looking for cheaper labor, would you say? Or are we increasing competitiveness in jobs and the people we're hiring? We're seeing a very different phenomenon right now. As people have gotten more comfortable with remote, what we've actually seen is a pretty extreme focus on quality and the caliber of talent. And so for our clients, you've got you know, a few hundred of the top tech companies around the world now leveraging Andela to source talent. They're primarily trying to find better talent than they otherwise would be able to. And so I think it's partially a function of the macro climate that we're in right now, where people are just trying to move as quickly as they can and a little bit less cost conscious. I think if the economy were to turn, then I think this might change. But for the time being, it's just an extreme focus on, I want to find the best possible talent I can and I'm open to the idea of going like much more broad in how I think about that. Um, and I actually think that's a healthy thing for the world because what it's doing is compressing global, like not compress, but it's like sort of like pulling up global wages in emerging markets in ways that would have been very surprising only a few years ago. Like we're seeing like people with very specific types of skill set, even in very like emerging market parts of the world, we have our largest presence is across Africa having salaries meaningfully increase to get closer and closer to the US and Europe in a way that it was just moving much more slowly before this. Okay, that's yeah. fascinating. I think, you know, and I think there's a really, I don't know, I'm, I'm like an avid reader of The New Yorker and there was a really interesting in, article in The New Yorker basically about like, is, you know, is knowledge work broken? Um, and the entrepreneur, Chris Hurd, had a, you know, really interesting theory within there, which is like, you can have, two different cultures. You know, there's an office first culture and there's a remote first culture. And in office first culture, I'm only hiring the people that are in the radius of my office. So my talent pool that I have available to me is pretty limited versus a remote first culture where I'm hiring the best talent from around the world to Jeremy's point, regardless of location. And yeah, maybe they're not going into an office every day, but I'm getting them together quarterly or monthly, depending on what their roles are and when I want to organize team meetings. 
And this kind of creates our, Dar our I think, a Darwinian effect for many businesses because, say, for instance, um, I've got a company that's remote first and I have a competitor that's office first. Well, I can hire the best talent from around the world at lower costs and I have lower overhead because I, you know, I don't have an office space that I'm maintaining or multiple office spaces. And so I'm eventually going to put my competitor out of business. And if you repeat that enough times, I'll, I'll be number one in my space. Yeah. Hands I mean, down. It's just true. It's, it's almost like gravity. You can fight against it for a while, but it requires energy. And eventually, you just have to let it go. Like it's going to become increasingly difficult for office-first cultures to compete with remote-first cultures, which is part of why this conversation about how to do remote-first well is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's look um, at the future, really. Is a lot of people are saying the hybrid model is sort of the key idea here. Do you think that's true, or what do you think? No, not so much, Jeremy. Why not? <laughs> it depends on how you interpret the hybrid model. And one of the challenges is definitions in this space are all so new that people mean all sorts of different things with the, with the language. Like, if what you're thinking is some people will be in the office and then some people will be remote, that actually makes it harder. Like, it is really hard to have a meeting where four people are in person, two people are remote, because the people in person will naturally gravitate towards each other. It's, it's human nature. It's really hard not to have that happen. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you, by, if you mean what Kristen was saying by hybrid about getting together in person once a month or once a quarter to build bonds and connections between the team, actually, I think that makes all the sense in the world, and the best remote-first companies are going to do that religiously. And so it depends, it depends what you mean. No, no. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to um, uh, a woman yesterday and she was saying that if she's in, even now though part of her staff is in the office and part of them are remote, if she's on a, on a call, like she has to schedule a Teams meeting or something, she won't have anybody in her office or do anything in person. Everyone has to be online because it levels the, the playing field. So to Jeremy's point, like there won't be some people in the room that have a louder voice than others. I also think that when we think about remote, remote work, we have to di really differentiate that from telecommuting. You know, when you think about telecommuting, you know, when it first started, I think managers thought, oh, well, I'll give someone a laptop and internet access and an email address, and they're just gonna work from home. And then we saw kind of a, a, a blowback to that when Yahoo and Best Buy started bringing employees back to the office saying that it wasn't productive enough. When we talk about remote work now, we're talking about really using technology and systems to connect people in more meaningful ways, you know, whiteboarding technologies, ways that people can collaborate better. You know, we have Slack, lots of different um, communication and management tools that I don't think we had when telecommuting first came out. Uh, and so that, again, you know, as, you know, collaboration drives innovation, diverse viewpoints, and being able to have a global staff drives innovation. There's been a ton of research around it. Uh, I just think personally, like that's that that's the that's the new way of working, at least for knowledge workers that are not manufacturing a product. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit about Zoom fatigue there. <laughs> How can we overcome that? Do you think? Because you know, as a female, we were saying it takes a while to have the space. You know, it's, yeah, it's time spent. <laughs> I don't wake up looking like this, unfortunately. I wish I did. Um, yeah, my male coworkers definitely have a leg up. They, you know, like my former business partner and I talk a couple times a week, and you know, he rolls out of bed. He looks awesome. Like this is a solid 30 minutes at least of work, at least. Um, and 
So I've just started putting in some, some limitations, and I think many women have too, around the number of video meetings they're gonna do a week. I have certain days of the week that I time block off where I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do video calls. Um, and the other thing that I've done is I've stopped having Zoom um, or Microsoft Teams automatically turn my video on when I go into a meeting. So I can assess like, are other people on video? Is it a requirement of the meeting? Um, you know, some people are really insistent on it and others are not. And I think like not, you know, and also you can like change your Zoom view so that you're actually not looking at your face the entire call, which I think is helpful yeah. as well. Yeah. I think we're gonna see a massive shift in the next 24 months. This will happen very quickly around like norms for whether or not you use video. It's yeah. exhausting to stare into a screen all day. It just is. It, regardless of gender, it is exhausting. Yeah. And I, right now, there's this sort of sense of, well, we miss being around people, so we're going to show our like love and support by having our cameras on. And there's something to that, but once you get to know people, once you have a real relationship, pick up the phone and just take a walk while you're having your conversation. Like, engage in something a little bit more active where you don't have to stare into a screen, yeah. and you're going to feel a lot better at the end of the day. And so I think that this is gonna be a much more active conversation that companies should start having now and being more conscious of how they think about this. All right, as we're coming to the end, I wanna ask you a quick fire round. What are the three things that need to change? I mean, I would Who start with start? that one, not needing people to be on camera constantly. Um, I would move into make sure that there is some time to get together in person whether it's once a month, once a quarter, twice a year, make sure that there's time that is focused on building like relationships and like team bonding because trust is a meaningful like variable in how effective teams are. And finally, like I would think about like time zone overlaps and trying to not have people working, you know, at like you know, 9 p.m. at night or like 6 a.m. in the morning in order to be able to stay like aligned with like the norms. You can be anywhere, but it's really helpful if people don't have to create crazy schedules so they can live a like reasonable, sustainable life. And for you, yeah, I, you know, I would say like one thing is like to keep the, you know, to really think about your, your staff and the, you know, the, the, need, the different needs of like introverts versus extroverts. I know a lot of companies have like, planned like team activities and stuff online. Like, frankly, like I'm kind of naturally introverted. The last thing I want to do at the end of the day is do like a cooking activity online with a bunch of people that I do business with. I just don't want to do it. And so, you know, providing opportunities for people to opt out of some of those team building activities, I think is healthy as well. Um, second, you know, make sure you're looking at your workplace policies and that they're gender equal and um, really taking into account the you know, the extra workload that women are carrying at this point and acknowledging that. Uh, and then lastly, you know, really look at your global hiring practices. What can you do to hire a more global and more representative workforce? Because I do believe, um, you know, to Jeremy's point, it, you know, you get a better talent pool overall and a more diverse talent pool. And that drives innovation and new product development. And I think creates um, a, better, uh, a better competitive environment for your company. Totally All right, Chris agreed. and Jeremy, we are up there. So thanks so much for your time on that. Looks like the future is uh, remote work, but we need to change that. So thank you, Web Summit, and uh, see you next year. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Tune in next week, where we'll be exploring how Gen Z entrepreneurs are using AI in different ways than previous generations. So until next week, see you then.